0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is
0: Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I was going through all the kind of prep work that I do to get ready for the show, and I came across a couple of pieces of news that led me to an opinion. It's one of those things where sometimes you just never really quite know what you're – gut reaction to news is going to be, or other thoughts and opinions that are out there. And, you know, how you feel is how you feel. Those are your genuine emotions. And later on today, all of this, on today's show, is going to lead me to say something about the Florida Gators that I desperately don't want to say. But I do believe, as I sometimes do say, honesty compels me to admit. Honesty is going to compel me to admit something about Florida later on today that, Boy, I'd love for anything else other than this to be true, but I will tell you about that before the show is done today, or at least put it out there in the universe as a possibility that we all must consider a little bit. So stick around for a few minutes. After Jeff's Intel, we'll do that here coming up in a few minutes' time. Before we get to that, there is this off the very top today. It seems like there's been a little talk lately about the Georgia schedule. Didn't I read this from Mike Griffith at DogNation.com just a few days ago? That I think it was Heather Denich, the ESPN um uh reporter college football playoff reporter who by the way will also come up later on today's show on a different note uh there as well but didn't heather go on the fine bomb show and say something to the effect of you know georgia playing an easy schedule or, or whatever else and i think that um that, um, that Mike wrote that up, obviously kind of factoring in on zeroing in on the perceived weakness of the SEC East right now. And it seems like we've kind of done this kind of stuff before from time to time. And I'm not really that offended by it. I mean, you know, opinions come cheap and easy sometimes. But I, I do think it's kind of interesting when somebody like that expresses an opinion to the, to the extent that it's been out there, when actual data seems to point the other direction. Something else that's gotten a lot of talk here over the course of the last 24 hours or so is that um, ESPN, and this is really strange to me. So their analytics preseason ratings. Now, they hire Bill Conley now, and he's got his own version of this. But years before they hired Bill, they just essentially copied what he created, changed a couple of details to make it seem like their own thing. And it's called the Football Power Index. We commonly just refer to it as FPI. And so this comes out, the first iteration of this came out a couple of months ago. And yesterday, ESPN had to announce that they were re-releasing the FPI because they had this gigantic... I don't know how you know you describe this other than a data failure where like the the tabulations were done incorrectly. And as a lot of folks have pointed out, especially those in the gambling bin, because ultimately it's like the gamblers that care more about the analytics stuff than almost anybody else, that some of the stuff on the preseason FPI was so obviously wrong that surely somebody could have caught this prior to this. If you'll remember, we talked about this at the time on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Mississippi State was like preseason number eight in the original FPI release from ESPN. That alone if you have actual people who watch the games more so than just people who use, you know, a TI-85 calculator, that alone should have let you know that something wasn't quite right about all of this. This is a, this is not a banner day for the analytics community at ESPN. They didn't catch this before now, but they've kind of retabulated all this now and they've re-released the FPI and they wrote a story about this ESPN.com. Georgia is fifth in this preseason FPI, but in addition to that, we'll get kind of to where Georgia's ranked on this in a moment. In addition to that, the story at ESPN.com also kind of looks at the biggest games of the upcoming season from the standpoint of who's competing for the college football playoff, who has a chance to you know to, to really be in that discussion for the playoff and really build their resume as the season goes along. And it's kind of interesting that while somebody at ESPN may say, ah, that schedule for Georgia after Clemson doesn't look all that strong, the actual data as tabulated by the football Power Index suggests something far different. I thought this was kind of cool that Georgia, according to ESPN, Is going to play in three of the top twelve most important games for the upcoming season, as far as the college football playoff race is determined. This is kind of neat. Let me show this to you on the screen here for a moment. So you've got obviously Georgia, Clemson. That's the second most important game. A and M, Alabama, actually ranked number one according to ESPN. And listen, you can fault with you know you know kind of squabble with their rankings if you want to, but let's just for the sake of conversation take this at face value for the moment. So Georgia, Clemson comes in at number two georgia florida comes in at number four and this is by the way for georgia florida is on the heels of remember bill bender sporting news last week on sec country live saying that he thought georgia florida had become the biggest game in college football and about a month or two before that paul feinbaum went on the alabama radio station WJOX and said that he felt like georgia florida was the biggest rivalry in the sec at the moment Stirring up more passion than than even Auburn, Alabama does at this juncture. Well, the ESPN FPI, you know, the data here kind of backs some of that up a little bit. Georgia, Florida, even in a year which Florida will not likely be a preseason top ten team, and most of the rankings still comes in as the fourth most important game for the upcoming year in the chase for the college football playoff. And then there's this, which I think is kind of interesting. Auburn is actually the preseason number 15 team, according to the ESPN-FBI. Therefore, Georgia at Auburn is the 12th most important game for the college football playoff race. So not only does Georgia play in three of the top 12 games in the race for the college football playoff, according to ESPN, they'll play all three of these games prior to October the 30th. So it is a big run for Georgia in these first couple of months of the season to really establish their college football playoff credentials. So listen, if you're a Georgia fan, I think that ought to get you pretty excited. I think that ought to get you thinking about the fact that, hey, Man, Georgia's got a real chance to prove itself. Week one against Clemson, a couple of weeks after that at Auburn. Remember this, and you know this is one of those things I don't like, necessarily like bringing up, is that Georgia on the road in the SEC West, that hasn't always gone great, right? I mean, Georgia lost at Aub- at Alabama a year ago. Uh, they did handle Arkansas eventually pretty easy uh, last year. But, you know, down to the wire against Auburn in 2019. Lost at LSU in 2018. Lost at Auburn in November of 2017 that these road tests in the SEC West for Georgia lost at Ole Miss in 2016 if you want to go back that far these road tests in the SEC West have been pretty challenging for Georgia so a couple of weeks after the big game against Clemson you have what ESPN FBI is calling a big game against Auburn and then a few weeks after that you have a game that's still very much on the national radar against Florida. So if you're a Georgia fan and you believe that this is the year that you break through, that this is the year your team goes out there and kind of kicks through the door, knocks off the ceiling, blows the roof off what has been the the previous level of achievement for this program – I think the great news about this is you don't have to wait very long to find out how true that really is. Proving yourself against Clemson. Road test against Auburn. Big game against Florida. Revenge game, as we keep saying on this show over and over again. I think that is really, really cool. Now, All of this also kind of dovetails into something else that got some attention yesterday. That in the story from ESPN about their re-ranked football power index, they also kind of highlighted Georgia in particular as the number five team in the country in their preseason ranking. But as they described it, a little bit of a gap between Georgia, the rest of the top four, which uh, you know includes Oklahoma, Ohio State, and certainly a gap between Clemson and Alabama there at the number one spot, and. ESPN provided its explanation for why that was true. Let me read this from Seth Walder, the writer, and I'm going to give you a couple of opinions about this. So he says about Georgia, part of the reason for the gap with perception here is that while FPI knows how well JT Daniels played in his four games for the Bulldogs last season, it won't anoint anyone over a sample that small. So in other words, there's a gap in the preseason data and the rankings by Football Power Index for Georgia, because last year, Georgia was at its best in the four games that JT Daniel started. But for the math guys out there, four games just isn't quite enough. Let me say this really quickly. You have every right to care about this or not. I I will totally acknowledge that. In my own personal journey as a fan, I would say about 10 years or so ago, I was really interested in analytics. Around the time of the 2012 presidential election, where analytics played a big role in that. And then shortly after that, the American League, this is a strange thing to bring up, but the American League MVP debate between Miguel Cabrera from the Tigers and, and and Mike Trout for the Angels years ago. That's when I kind of first became aware of the idea of advanced stats, analytics, things like that. And around that time, I got really interested in that topic at a time in which most of the mainstream sports fans kind of weren't. I would say as these analytics discussions have become a little more mainstream because I can't help but be a contrarian, I kind of find myself going the other way. I'm probably less interested in in analytic style stuff like football power index than I was 10 years or so ago. So you have every right to care about this or not. It's certainly not my intention to tell you that any of this is the gospel. But if you do care about this to any degree whatsoever, here's the thing you should understand. That the basic premise of something like Football Power Index is to suggest that what has happened in previous seasons has a great bearing on what's going to happen in the upcoming season, even if some of the names are changed, even if some of the coaches are changed, that the track record over the course of like say the last five years is greatly impactful on what's going to happen in the upcoming year. And if you look at the actual just you know, concrete data, there is something to back that up. The top five for the ESPN Football Power Index almost never changes. It's almost always Georgia. It's almost always Clemson. It's almost always Alabama. Oklahoma's in there far more often than not. Ohio State's in there far more often than not. It's very rare for anybody else other than those teams to crack the top five at all. So that kind of backs up the point on this, that things in college football seem to regenerate year over year over year. So if you're a Georgia fan, then what do you do with this? That ESPN says, we're not quite uh, ready to anoint Georgia on a small sample size yet for JT Daniels, especially in comparison to a program like Alabama, which the writer Seth Waldron mentions by name in discussing Georgia in this topic. Here's what I do with this, and you can decide for yourself if this matters to you or not, but here's what I do with this. That obviously as Georgia tries to climb the mountain in college football to the national championship eventually, but also doing so by going through the toughest path of all in college football, which is through the SEC. Here's the one thing I think that Georgia fans should take from this ESPN-FPI data conversation more so than anything else. That it, sometimes it's not just about your ability to rise. It's about your rival's you know propensity to fall that could also open the door for you. But in the case of Alabama, I I don't think you can count on that. And I think that's the subtext of what Seth Walder writes there at ESPN.com, that Georgia may be on its way to getting better, but don't expect Alabama to make this easy for you. Don't assume, just because it's a new starting quarterback for Alabama and a new offensive coordinator for Alabama, even though we've expressed some doubts about how well Bill O'Brien will do this year, don't assume that it gets any easier, even though Alabama's got a lot of changeover uh, here this season because of how good Alabama's been in each of the last five years. In fact, let me uh, kind of bear this out very quickly, that over the course of the last five years, here are the final ESPN FPI ratings for Alabama. They were first in 2020. They were fourth in 2019. They were second in 2018. They were first the two years before that. There's at least a consistent five-year track. You could have gone back even farther than that, but at least a consistent five-year track of Alabama essentially being, among the very best teams in the country. And the only way they've ever been surpassed is not because they got worse, but because in given years, Clemson in 2018, LSU in 2019, they just happened to be a little bit better. And that's the task that's awaiting Georgia here this year. It can't expect Alabama to get worse just because of some changeover, some lack of continuity. Alabama, based on the last five years, is likely to be really good again this year. That the path for Georgia is to be, as I said before, like the two Tigers, LSU in 2019, Clemson in 2018, a team that simply raises its level of play above the very consistent level of excellence that Alabama has shown. Let me kind of wrap this up very quickly with a very simple point. So if you're a Georgia fan, looking at that as the path your team has to to follow here for the upcoming season, the good news is you've got the games to prove that. Against Clemson, you want to know how you measure up against the preseason number two team, according to FPI? You get to play them and you get a chance to beat them on the field. Road test at Auburn? Alabama lost its last game that it played in Jordan-Hare Stadium. That's a great way for Georgia to prove just how good it really is, to say nothing of the Florida game coming up on October the 30th. So the challenge for Georgia is daunting. You've got to be as good as a team that's been elite consistently for years and years and years. But the games that Georgia plays in the first few weeks of this season give it more than a chance to prove just how good it really is and maybe can prove some of those FPI doubters wrong in the process. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us. It's video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're also doing a little bit of a soft opening of doing the show live on dognation.com, which I think is kind of a cool thing there as well. We have bigger rollout plans for that eventually. We're just kind of playing around with the technology right now. So if you show up at dognation.com, you may see that on your screen. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, It's kind of a fun thing. Our goal is to always expand the platforms, be on as many places as possible, especially with certain platforms being a little, a little finicky these days. So that's a really cool thing. We're going to do a lot more at that in the days to come. Of course, Radio at Noon on Athens Sports Radio 9, The Ref, Podcast, all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, everything else. Just really happy to have you with us as part of Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger today. And by the way, speaking of Kroger let's get ready to start appreciating those teachers as we head towards the upcoming school you're not too early to start thinking about that Kroger's going to be showing appreciation for teachers here there as well Wednesday July 14th an extra 10% savings on school supplies on apparel home decor so much more so how about that for our teachers coming up on July 14th you can get your discount there at checkout just tell them you're a teacher it's Kroger.com if you want to find out more details or just go by the Kroger right near you say hey I'm a teacher and on Wednesday July 14th get some nice little savings to go along with that. So make sure you check all of that out. All right, we're going to get Jeff Sintel coming up in just a moment. A lot of recruiting stuff we're going to do with him on the program. But before that, I want to go around the doghouse, and I do want to briefly mention Demetrius Robertson's transfer to Auburn. I'll show you this on the screen. Robertson uh, putting it out there on Twitter. That's where he's heading. You see him there kind of photoshopped into the Auburn uniform. And this is one of those things where I really don't have much of a hot take on this one way or another. I'm kind of anti-transfer portal, just broadly speaking, and certainly I'm anti-intra-conference transfer. That's not my favorite trend that's kind of emerged here in the SEC for the last couple of years, but I would say for the most part, these are the kinds of ways in which the transfer portal is supposed to work, right? I mean, Demetrius Robertson came to Georgia. I think for both parties, this was an experiment worth you know, trying, uh, you know, Robertson's the latest example for a lot of these guys when they go out west. It's just, that's a long way from home. It's like 3,000 miles or whatever. It, it's very easy to get homesick. Uh, he wasn't happy there, wanted to come back to his home state. Georgia needed wide receivers. Uh, Robertson had been a freshman All-American at Cal uh, going back to 2016 and after being having, having been hurt in 2017. So it was an experiment worth taking for both parties. I guess at one point in time, I probably thought George was to blame for not using him more. I think some people have said maybe Robertson was to blame, you know, starting in, like, say, 2019 when he didn't take full advantage of the opportunity that he was given. But ultimately... I don't know that either party is necessary to to blame here. This just didn't work out. It was worth a try and didn't happen. And so now, Robertson looking at a very crowded situation at Georgia, a lot of pass-catching targets, not just receivers, but tight ends there as well. A lot of guys getting those targets from JT Daniels. Robertson says, for my final year, kind of that super senior role that he's in this year, I want to go somewhere where I think I can play. Auburn is wide open at the receiver position. There's no Seth Williams there anymore. There's no Anthony Schwartz. Eli Stove has gone from that program. They're as thin at receiver as any team in the SEC, so it's kind of an obvious connection that would lead you there to Auburn. I don't think this is one of those things, though, where if you'll think about Cade Mays going to Tennessee or if you'll think about uh, Britton Cox even going to Florida, where those players playing for those UGA rivals probably put a little spotlight on themselves for the way all of that went down. I don't think there'll be a similar spotlight for Robertson in Jordan-Hare Stadium when Georgia comes there in October. I haven't heard from a Georgia fan yet who has any ill will against Robertson whatsoever. I mean, it didn't work out. I think, obviously, I expected him to be better in a, U- a UGA uniform than he turned out to be. But ultimately, this is not really one of those things where I think anybody's got much in the way of being mad about it. Uh, didn't work here he's gonna go try it somewhere else and honestly who can fault a player for wanting to play which is what seems like Demetrius Robertson wants to do that is around the doghouse here on dog nation daily presented by Kroger Jeff's intel here coming up let me remind you that once Jeff is done we're gonna have a very open and honest conversation with the Florida Gators and it kind of dovetails a little bit off of what we were just saying off the very top of the program there as well so So that is coming up. Some of the stuff that I am hearing about Florida right now that maybe this is the Larry Munson in me or the, you know, even kind of a Vince Dooley type thing in me. That just makes me a little bit nervous about the current chatter that's out there. I'll put it all on the table. You can decide if it's fact or fiction. We will do that coming up in just a couple of minutes' time. But before that, though, there is a lot of UGA recruiting news uh, to get to. Uh, Jeff's had some good stuff on the side as of late. Obviously, Before the hedges presented by Kroger has been red hot uh, on fire there, too. So let's cover all the bases on that as we head towards and head through what is going to be a very busy month of July for Georgia's 2022 recruiting class on the road assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now let's go ahead and get it started. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider and as I promise a lot to get to with Jeff Sintel as we're on the road assisted by AAA here Uh, today and uh, Jeff I hope you're having a great day good week appreciate you being back on the program to share some UGA recruiting news with us how are you today
1: good Uh, some folks noticed on uh, hedges earlier this week or actually was covered for last night that had a little bit of a red nose and man that's that's me getting forgetting that being at a football practice and forgetting to put on the 45 for getting out there I was so excited to get out there
0: I, I don't go to as many recruiting events as you do are the bucket hats still as popular at recruiting events they were a couple of years ago? I mean, it seems like a few years ago, like that was the most, to use a bigger word than I should, ubiquitous thing that you would see at a recruiting event: players, coaches, scouts, media people. Everybody had the big bucket hats on. Do people still wear bucket hats at these things?
1: Well, first of all, uh, Brandon, you get uh, you get thousand points for word theater for using the word ubiquitous in your program this week. Um, but uh, what is it? I think wearing a bucket hat is, a, is is you know like those things going around the internet. Is like how can you say that you're a that you're a veteran recruiting reporter right. without saying you're a veteran recruiting right. reporter? Uh, wear the bucket hat. Uh, for me, I still I, I still got to go with it. I got to go with the old school ball cap most
0: times. Now. There you go. I understand that. Well, there's a lot I want to get to you. Let me start with five star name here for a second. It seems like as of late, there's a little bit of Interesting, and I wouldn't necessarily say positive chatter on the internet involving five-star safety Kamari Wilson. Now, Kamari seems to be one of these guys to me that just kind of like stirring it up. He's enjoying his recruiting process. I don't fault players for that. I don't mind recruiting drama, even if it's kind of inauthentic. I, I just I, I don't have a I have I have a, I have a pretty high tolerance for that. Uh, but as of late, it seems like what once looked like a pretty strong bond for George and Wilson seems to have lessened uh, a bit what can you tell me right now about the relationship that Georgia has with five-star safety Kamari Wilson
1: yeah so Kamari uh and I know Brandon you've been noticing all those forest fires out there I guess that's what I'll call them forest fires uh you 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 hear things about Texas A&M you see things about Florida you see things about Miami I do think Miami is a legitimate foil there for the Georgia chances as they try to hold on to um what seemed like a firm position there with uh with Kamari Wilson um but you know here's what I like about this young man's style uh first of all I, I don't know if I've ever seen this before if, especially amongst the five star is a couple of days in advance of his you know he said he has a big announcement coming and these days it could be a top 12 a top 5 it could be a it could be a uh, announcement to a specific or a flip to a specific all-star game one or the other well, Kamari put out an edit which said Georgia is a top school for him. And that was it. Georgia is one of my top schools. And I think, I don't know if the word breaking was used or not, but then he said Georgia is one of my top schools. And then a couple of days later he put out another, another edit which revealed the top six. Now here's the kicker, Brandon. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but he had a cool video, real clever, lots of highlights, lots of in-game, lots of behind-the-scenes, locker room access, good visuals all through it. But then he used the same top six edit that he had back in April at the end of that video. And, I mean, I'm just like, okay, are we doing this? I mean, it was almost like, you know, one of those Avengers movies or like what George Lucas used to do with Star Wars where he he adds the new cantina scene that never showed up in the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's what it was kind of like with Kamari Wilson. And, you know, I I do think that, um, you know, I I think, man, I just got to say Coach Muschamp. I think he is going to be a major factor for Georgia down the line. Coach Adai, I'd imagine Coach, Coach Kirby Smart, Coach Scott Cochran. I think that's a guy that Georgia's going to have to get a little white knuckled to hold on to to keep Kamari Wilson. And, and most thought that, you know, he doesn't do any interviews at all, doesn't do any media at all. Most kind of thought that Kamari would be one of those guys that would just shut it down and uh, get get through with his business in the summer after he takes his visits. Well, it certainly doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, you know, and brendan on the other side, I wanna make sure I wanna make sure I give a I wanna make sure that people know about denial and more for a second. Now, Brandon, very quickly, I don't know if you've noticed this, he's hit the triumvirate of he's been predicting recruits in pictures. Sure. He's been um breaking ice crystal ball. He had the nineteen eighties Coca Cola national championship model. I mean, he's had some hairy dogs, paraphernalia. I mean, he, I mean, the only thing that could be better for Denial and Morissette is he could be rated as a five-star wide receiver, and then this fan base would be Gaga over Denial and Morissette, who is certainly working each and every day. Um, I mean, what was it? There was a great one this morning where some South Carolina fans, you know, give those Gamecocks credit, man. They're sure. digging in their heels as well, but there was a beach scene where they crafted out the words we want Delp" on the lawn, on the, not on the lawn, but on the beach, and, man, this was elaborate. This was probably about you know, six, seven lawn chairs wide, how elaborate this this font was. And then, and then Denali Morissette was like, he's like, this is pretty fire. This is pretty good, but no, sir. I mean, you know, Denali Morissette's getting an A-plus in social media this week for the class of 2022.
0: Well, since you bring that up, let me show this on the screen here for a moment, a, a tweet from Morissette has got some attention there as well, where he says, prediction four of the five guys shown in this photo will be dogs. He says, just sit back and wait. Now, I believe I see Gunnar Stockton there, I see Morissette himself, I see Branson Robinson. Uh, you mentioned Oscar Delp, he's in this photo there as well, and I believe I see Kojo Antwee too. So if I'm interpreting Morissette correctly, Antwee, I guess, is the one guy in this list that's not coming to Georgia. He committed to Ohio State this week. Uh, but, you know, basically proclaiming Oscar Delp and Branson Robinson joining he and Gunnar Stockton there at Georgia. So there's no doubt that Morissette's been as outspoken and as aggressive on Twitter as anybody, you know, predicting at one point in time that Bear Alexander was coming back to UGA and uh, having some fun with with Antwi before Antwi ultimately announced his pledge to Ohio State. I mean, I think the Georgia fans do like this kind of thing. How true some of this stuff turns, turns out to be, I guess, is uh, to be determined. But I do think the Georgia fans like it when a guy like Denialin is aggressively as public as he has been, and whether it be with the Delp retweet today or the picture himself that he tweeted out yesterday, he's just kind of all over the place when it comes to this kind of stuff, and I do think the average fan really enjoys that.
1: Yeah, Brennan, and I I know, one of the things we try to emphasize here around these parts is, you know, everybody wants to hear about the guy coming or the five-star on the way, and then once the commit is there, you know, everybody feels like they, they get tucked away and the headlines don't really happen, but for Denylon, this guy is putting in the work. Like, you know, the stories of him, of like, like Brent, this is what he was like with his official visit. You know, some guys are trying to be, you know, really cool, calm, and collective. They don't want to be up in a guy's face. Well, what Denylon did on his official visit is he would go find a guy, and he would say, all right, now, tell me your schools. He's like, tell me which schools you love. He says, like, tell me why Georgia is not right there among the schools you love. What does Georgia need to do to be among the schools you love? I mean, he's very – He's very out in the open with it I mean he's very like you know he, he really lets guys know that he wants to play with them and he thinks georgia Georgia needs that missing piece of their talents for a national championship and to, or to just have the best dadgum class available and I mean I mean he's really a type of guy that and it was funny he took about a couple weeks off uh social media and he was like he he basically called himself out he told me he's like you know what I got to get back on that I got to be important for this class I got to be important for the guys out there and, that's certainly what he's doing right
0: now. So let me, on the subject of Morissette's position wide receiver, let me transition to this. You know, in light of Kojo Antwi choosing Ohio State, here's the thing that I've said. That in a lot of ways, Jeff, you can say that Georgia, although it's had some high-profile misses at the receiver position, has actually punched a little bit above its weight class in terms of the guys that it has brought in in comparison to what you might expect for a program that hasn't been necessarily great at throwing the football. There have been seven instances Over the course of the last three recruiting cycles of a team signing more than one top 10 receiver in a given class, Georgia's done that twice. They've signed four top 10 receivers nationally over the course of the last three recruiting cycles. That's almost better than you would expect, certainly uh, given the fact that prior to that, Georgia hadn't signed a top 10 receiver, I believe, since 2009. So, I mean, Georgia's actually done a little better here in recruiting the receiver position lately than a lot of people probably assume. But that was for 2019 class, 2020 class. It almost seems like some of that momentum is now falling off a little bit. I don't know that anybody who watches or listens to this show really closely necessarily expected Kojo Antwoe to to choose, George. It seemed like he'd been trending away there for a while. But I, I do think there is that lingering question of, you know, after signing Rosemary Jack Saint and Arian Smith for the 2020 class and and Dominic Blaylock and, and George Pickens, the 2019 class, big-time elite recruits, other four stars there as well that you, of course, mentioned in all of this. Who's the next big one? You know, you know where is George going to really land with and hit with when it comes to these elite pass-catching targets? And I guess for the 2022 cycle, that's still kind of up in the air, is it not? Yeah, and, and you
1: know, Brandon, here's, here's in a nutshell, everybody who likes numbers <laughs> – I'm going to give you three numbers and this is the most effective recruiting Georgia can do from the wide receiver position, um, for 2022. And as good as Denislaw Morris said is, I mean, he's not going to be the principal anchor, the principal catalyst to get, to get that done for the Bulldogs. Here's what's got to happen. And I think you can probably, you know, figure it out as I just roll these off. 3,500, 1,035. I think that's pretty simple. 3,500, 1,035. 3,500 passing yards for, jt daniels or whomever the georgia or the georgia quarterbacks in general um you've got 35 passing touchdowns for jt daniels or georgia's qb1 um and then a thousand receiving yards i think those are the things when georgia does those things plays the great defense that always does and really looks explosive and a little bit more pass happy doing it i think that's the thing that would unlock maybe a a name like Luther Burden, who's, five, who's a five-star, currently committed to Oklahoma, but certainly looking around, definitely looking around. I think that's how Georgia gets into business with those top five, top ten receivers for the class of twenty twenty two. That having been said, man, that Andre Green Jr. is a damaged dealer at wide receiver. Right? He's the he's undecided. Uh, he took he took official visits to a bunch of places. He got he checked out Oregon. He checked out Georgia. He checked out North Carolina. Really likes – we had a story that went up on him last week. Really likes Georgia, and I like the fit there that Georgia has as well. Brandon, he's a guy – man, I've been doing this for a while. I mean, there are very few Andre Green juniors every year. He's got the one-handed catches. He's about 6'3", a true 6'3", 185. Brandon, sometimes in this cycle when Georgia got a chance to put its eyes on all these prospects, which paraded through in June – that six foot one became five eleven and a half, or that six foot two became six feet you know Andre Green jr is a legit six three and a half and you know the thing I really like about Andre is George's going to recruit these dudes with all the talent in the world, but I think he has what I would call the operated operating system to excel, and that 's just the way he's wired he's a competitor he's detail driven We shared a story about how he plays Connect four with his father every night like. Like five games a night, and he is so competitive and he's so <clears throat> regimented about it, Brandon. That he keeps a tally on his phone. I think the number now is up to like five hundred to four four sixty four. He's ahead of his dad. He has to keep that number, uh, that number on his phone because his dad, the KG veteran, is trying to squeeze in a game here or there to play catch up. I like it when a young man uh, takes that much detail to something which is a hobby and not just his dream or his future profession. The way he runs receiver, uh, all the schools that have saw Andre Green Jr. out of Virginia this month, excuse me, last month, they've told him that um, they seem to play all over the field. He has the ability to do all kind of to be an X, to be a, to, to be a Z, kind of play in the slot. Um, Andre Green Jr., uh, he's going to come up on a top six, a final six, um, later this, later this summer, probably by the end of July. I think that's the name when, when Georgia fans need to start pointing to, a guy they have to get. Um, Brennan, I think Andre Green Jr. is as talented as all those Burtons and Rosemary Jack Saints and Blaylocks and Pickens and Arian Smith that, that, that make up those top 10 receiver lists that you so accurately uh, described there.
0: want to ask you about another important position group for Georgia here coming up, plus a really good story that you've written about a UGA commit that we probably need to reacquaint ourselves with there. We'll do that coming up in a moment. Let me remind folks, though, that we are on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. You think about them for legendary roadside assistance. So many of you are traveling this summer, and it's nice to have that peace of mind to know that if something goes wrong while you're on the highway, AAA can show up and help you out with all of that. But I also want you to think about AAA when it comes to auto insurance there as well. Because when you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. That is a big deal. And it's the kind of thing that AAA can do for you. That's the name for you to know right now when it comes to your auto insurance. Let me give you the website to go to. It's aaa.com autoinsurance auto insurance. That's aaa.com Slash auto insurance, switch and save your auto insurance with AAA here today. So, Jeff, let me just squeeze this in really quick. We talked in the show one day this week about the really cool hashtag that George has been pushing out there with Travis Shaw. I guess Jalen Walker maybe started it, and I've seen Jordan Davis and others tweet the idea of Shaw Dog. Obviously, it's thought that Travis Shaw, the five star from North Carolina, is choosing between UGA and the in-state school UNC. And there's also that lingering discussion about Walter Nolan that's out there there as well. So when it comes to these big five-star names for a moment, you know what do you think uh, the current stat- state of all of that is uh, for Georgia here at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's funny, Brandon. I think we could probably sit there and we could, we could say the catchphrase is DELP, wide receiver recruiting, defensive line recruiting, and that would probably – I'd probably feed the family for at least the next five or six yeah. months, um, with uh, with what's going on there. And I think, you know, Brandon, and I, I think North Carolina is really are going to be a really tough bear to deal with. in the uh, pardon the use use of the phrase bear, but I know that brings up maybe too soon old wounds or whatever. But I think North Carolina is going to be a really hard fight there for for Travis Shaw. You know, give give Jalen Walker a lot of credit. He's a guy that's really been a been working and been very outspoken on his social media. And also, you know, kind of behind the scenes with a good relationship with, uh, with, with Travis Shaw. And, you know, people wonder, you know, what's the status of the defensive line recruiting after that? Um, you know, I was at Cedar Grove High School this week. I, it doesn't feel to me like Georgia is going to wind up, uh, wind up getting the services of Christian Miller. You know, Mikel Williams is already at USC. Seems a very firm commitment there. Uh, you see Tyree West taking a lot of visits all across the southeast. Uh, is that a is that a guy that's going to remain a part of this Georgia 2022 class on the defensive line front? Uh, you, you see, uh, you know, a name like Xavier War- Xavier Harris that uh, was it was a guy that plays at Branson Robinson's uh, same high school in Germantown. He just committed to Ole Miss uh, this week, and you know the thoughts there. You know, what's that defensive line room going to look like for Georgia? Now, there's there's the upcoming there's that upcoming. Decision from Danai Dennis Sutton on July twenty second, but you know, honestly, Brendan, he's more of an edge guy, more of a a wolf pack guy for uh, for Dan Lanning's room. Um, you know, I, I just think Georgia. You know, I, I just think Georgia has a lot of work to do there on the defensive line, especially in spots where um, you know it seems like those five stars that were coming, were not coming, and you know, I'm I'm going to make sure I say this name last because it carries the most meaning. You know. Brennan, I think it's really a it's really a Travis Shaw or Walter Nolan type thing there for the defensive line room at Georgia. And I guess I, I don't want to use the word finicky or fickle, but it, it, the way this year started out with you know thoughts of getting a lot of you know multiple five stars across the front, um, you know you see Walter Nolan now who took a couple of trips to Georgia in June, and uh, if Georgia simply ends up with a top five prospect and the nation's number one defensive tackle in Walter Nolan. I hope folks will realize that's still a pretty good haul coming into the boat. That's a pretty good trophy to go up on the prize for uh, Trey Scott and his recruiting but uh I would say that it took a lot of consternation and a lot of work to get there if Georgia eventually gets there with a recruiting process for Nolan that's still going to involve Alabama it's going to involve Florida, I think Georgia's right in the midst of that too i think i think I think really though I think fans in the end if they can they can see Walter Nolan become a part of this class a five-star defensive tackle i think i think it's going to be lost on folks that you know nolan should he wind up at georgia would be higher rated than alexander higher rated than williams higher rated than shaw higher rated than everybody rated than just about everybody in the class but uh, I think I think I think folks were maybe even even expecting a little more for the defensive line room in 2022.
0: But. I've kept you long, but I do want to squeeze this in really quick. Very interesting story and interview from before the head, just presented by Kroger the other night with UGA running back commit Jordan James. It's one of those things when you commit early and you know, in some cases, the fanfare just kind of builds other places and you end up maybe not paying as much attention to a prospect as you should. I don't mean you, I mean, you know, Georgia fans collectively on this. So it's kind of nice to revisit some of these guys and, you know, find out a little bit more about their stories. And boy, there's a lot of reason to believe that James has a chance to do some really good things for Georgia. What did you learn new about Jordan getting a chance to speak with him again here over the course of the last few days?
1: Well, first of all, Mama loves Georgia. That's the main thing. Uh, you know, his mom feels really comfortable with Del McGee. His mom feels really comfortable with Kirby Smart. Uh, Jordan described that as his mom loved those guys. And he said, if, he said, if that's good enough for Mama, that's good enough for me. And, you know, somehow, Brandon, that sounded, sounded like one of the most honest things you could ever hear on the recruiting trail. The more the more things change, the more they say the same. But he had certainly had a message or two uh, that he said he's been working on Branson Robinson. You know, Branson was uh, Branson has kind of been the ideal pairing from Dell Mcgee uh, that Jordan James has been hearing for quite some time. Is it's like Branson Robinson, Jordan James, kind of that lineage about Georgia with the two pack and the, the duos. They always upgrade uh, for the for the running back room when they renew that room every other cycle or so with two top end talents. Uh, they save the tread on the tires, but. This was a modern term that also came with uh, with Jordan James. He says, man, I know. I'm in his inbox. He's hearing from me. And then he said his message was, it's the dog way or no way, is what he was telling Branson Robinson. He says they both have a lot of similarities to their game. They can do a lot of things, but everyone notices the size and the power with Branson Robinson. And uh, let's just say that he articulated and verbalized to – to the Before the Hedges audience and everybody out there in Dog Nation that he would be quite a happy dude uh, on on July 22nd if Branson Robinson becomes a dog as well. So one of those things, people were always wondering about Jordan. I think the other bit of information we can share is like, okay, what's the deal? He hasn't visited yet. Like He didn't visit for the whole month of June. In fact, he was the last public commitment in this class to visit. But then he came on the scavenger hunt. He said it felt like home immediately when he walked through the doors. He didn't need to camp. Georgia did take measurements. He was 5'10", a little bit more than that, and about 200 pounds. Uh, all the boxes were checked on Georgia's end. All the boxes were checked on uh, the Jordan James team and his end, and it really seems like a really good fit for Georgia because, you know, Brandon, they got to be a little judicious uh, in 2022 uh, because there's a couple of five stars in 2023 that Georgia also has its eye on as well, and um, they got to make sure that all that turnover that's happening in the room, Brandon, people forget. Zamir White will be gone. James Cook will be gone. Kendall Milton will likely only have the, 20, uh, only have the 2022 season as well where he, after he will become draft eligible. Um, so that running back room is going to turn over very fast. Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, they didn't sign a guy in 2021. So that opens up Georgia really well for the 2022 and 2023 cycles.
0: Jeff, I really appreciate you being here on the road assisted by AAA. Very good information. We'll look forward to reading a lot more from you in the days to come at dognation.com. And, of course, back here again next week as well on this program. Thanks for your time, and we'll look forward to seeing you then.
1: All right, guys, here's a quick tease. There's a story up on the site right now about an undecided prospect in the 2022 class that says it just feels right in regard to Georgia. Well, so you check that good. out today as well.
0: Love right. to hear that. Check that out, dognation.com. I know folks will. Jeff, thanks a lot. All right, man. Take it easy, Brandon.
1: Have a great weekend. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league.
0: This is SEC Through. All right, for two seconds about one thing, I'm going to be kind of corny and sentimental, so I apologize in advance, but just hear me out on this for a moment. So if you think about it, like, happy families don't make for good stories, right? So you're never going to see a movie about a happy family because that's just kind of boring, right? you know the the kinds of families that show up in movies are somewhat dysfunctional because dysfunction leads to better entertainment that's not a good thing or a bad thing it's just kind of a, a a true thing that entertainment's always going to be more interested sitcoms and and, and and movies things like that to the extent there even still are sitcoms it's just more interesting to show a dysfunctional family because that just makes for better entertainment but it's nice in life to have portrayals of happy families because I, th- I think it's just a, kind of a good thing overall. And this is one of the reasons why I love following high school football recruiting, especially seemingly in this 2022 cycle, because of the way in which the player stories reinforce the value of family in their own lives. As I said before, I know this comes across as corny and sentimental and some of you roll your eyes. I'm going to say it and then I'll move on. But I think it's worth pointing out just in the base that we heard from Jeff Centel right there. They talked about the way that Jordan James and his mom was going to be influential in his decision. But he also mentioned Andre Green playing Connect 4 with his dad. And, look, last night, I have a 9-year-old boy and a 6-year-old girl. Like, my wife and my two kids, we had this, like, knock-down, drag-out game of Uno. So much fun to be able to do right before they went to bed. It's like nothing is more fun than just kind of having that kind of simple moment with your kids. And to think that I might still be able to do that when they are teenagers to the point that Andre Green is, like, keeping stats for his games with his dad... Like that's just a really cool story of a really happy family, and we don't get a lot of that in life, and so it's nice that rec- recruiting can provide that. I remember the same thing from when Malachi Starks uh, committed to Georgia, and I forget whose birthday it was. Some of y'all probably remember it was somebody in the family's birthday, and they were all going to go to dinner after the uh, recruiting commitment ceremony was over with. And I remember thinking at the time, and I think I even said this during the broadcast boy I hope my kids when they are teenagers are still excited about going to dinner with me or me and my wife or whatever else I I hope that's something that's still true for us I believe that it will but I, I certainly hope it is and I don't know pay attention to these recruiting stories because for those of you that care about family and you want good families boy, it it seems like there's a lot of recruiting stories that really reinforce the value of all of that. So do with that what you will. But I thought that was worth mentioning there for a moment. Let me also briefly mention my friends at a Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for a minute here too. Because we talked before about being on the road here this summer. That's the kind of thing that uh, everybody likes to do. And when you think about road trips, sometimes you are thinking about like a short road trip, easy road trip to get to. Don't forget Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or the Harris Cherokee Valley River. They're both just a two hour drive from Atlanta. You can get on the road, be up there. You see the video, the mountains of Western North Carolina are just beautiful. And the casino gaming floor is a lot of fun there as well for a weekend getaway. Of course you get gourmet restaurants world-class shopping one of the most luxurious relaxing spas you can ever enjoy you can play golf there uh, they've got the entertainment options that are returning here now and the sports book is open there too so check them out online caesars.com slash harris cherokee you can become a caesars rewards member and find out all the great things they've got going on this summer once again the website caesars.com slash harris cherokee for a lot more on that all right so let me say something that i mentioned earlier in the show And this is one of those things where I tried to find a way not to say this on the show, but um, I feel like it kind of needs to be said. And it's one of those things that I almost wish were true that I ultimately can't believe is true. Let me show this on the screen for a second. This is Heather Denich. Uh, Actually, this is Paul Feinbaum quoting Heather Denich from an interview that she gave on the Feinbaum show this week. And this is the quote that the Feinbaum Twitter account attributes to Heather. She says the SEC East is one of the weakest divisions in college football. She says the Big 12 has better chance of getting two in the college football playoff, mentioning Oklahoma and Iowa State, than the SEC. She also says that Florida is not in her preseason top 25. Now, a couple of things here really quick. I could care less about Heather Dinich's opinion of the SEC East. It's simply worthless to me. Uh, we've mocked before the idea of two Big 12 teams making the college football playoff and the idea that Iowa State, somehow with Matt Campbell, who I do believe is a good coach, but it is absolute myth-making to say that Campbell, and the phrase that she's used in the past is, we played this audio on SEC Country Live uh, and on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger as well, the idea that, uh, that, that Campbell's going to coach up his three-star players, he's going to beat your five-star players, that is simply myth-making. You might as well believe in the lost city of Atlantis if you're going to believe in something like that. It's totally ludicrous. The statement I'm interested in, though, is what she says there at the bottom of that quote that I just read from you. That she doesn't even have Florida in her preseason top twenty-five. Now, if this was just Heather Dinich alone saying this, I would, you know, probably just maybe disregard that and move on. But I believe I've also seen—I haven't bought this magazine yet—and y'all can back me up on this. But I've read online that Phil Steele also excludes Florida from his preseason top twenty-five as well for the upcoming season. Now, y'all know this. I've got, you know, Eddie the blind squirrel on the desk. I've got the Golden Shoe. I am nothing if not. Totally devoted to the idea of being a gator hater, hating those lousy, stinking gators. In fact, our buddy Michael Carvel producing today has the uh, t shirt of me uh, talking about those lousy, stinking gators on it. I mean, that like I've been well known for that for a long time. The idea that Florida could finish the season outside the top 25, I would love for that to be true. But y'all, we got to be really careful here for a moment. For those of us that want good things for Georgia, that want bad things for Florida. The way in which this narrative is being spun right now, I think we all have to be really, really careful with that. Because if we're not careful, all of a sudden Florida veers in the direction of actually being an underrated team. And the problem with that is not that they're going to beat Georgia, because I honestly don't think they're going to beat Georgia. I, I, I truly don't. But I still don't like the idea of the kind of intangible value that gets created when nobody in the media is believing in you. You get to play with that chip on your shoulder all year long. And if you want to take it from like the intangible realm to the more tangible realm for a moment, you know, the other issue with that is, is for a guy like Mullen that most of us don't like, that most of us think truly is a clown, what ends up happening there is you set the bar so low for achievement this season, you know, outside the top 25 by major voices that all of a sudden any accomplishments whatsoever makes it seem like Dan Mullen's coaching them up and getting something done there. And I think you've got to be really, really careful with that beyond all that. I just think it's factually incorrect that Florida's likely to finish the season outside the top 25. Once again, this is not me wanting to tout for Florida. It's just honest data. They're 11th in the preseason football power index from ESPN. You can totally disregard that metric if you want to, but it's not nothing to be 11th. They are, what is it, 5th or 6th in Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio with 66% of the roster being made up of former four- and five-star recruits. Their starting running back is likely to be a former what five-star transfer from Clemson and Demarcus Bowman. I don't like doing any of this or saying any of that. But when people are all over the Internet saying, ah, Florida's not even a top-25 team, I just think that's dangerously close to setting the bar so low that Dan Mullen gets to, at the end of the season, look like a genius because he was better than what, you know, Yahoo's on the Internet thought he was going to be. So, plus – for a game like Georgia-Florida, that's measurably one of the most important in college football. You know, touted as the top rivalry in college football, it seems hard that could continue to be true if somehow Florida's not on the radar at all. I, I think this is. The, I think this is an example of some folks looking for a hot take without much evidence to back it up. We've always said before, I, I love hot takes. I, I I love strong opinions, but to me, what matters is how you arrive there. Do you start with the hot take and work yourself backwards trying to prove it, or do you use data information to work your way towards a hot take that's always what matters to me and in the case of people oh yeah florida not even top 25 team that sort of feels like you started with that premise and you worked your way back with evidence to prove that i'd love for it to be true maybe at the end of the season we'll all high five and say that it is But the idea that you're going to proclaim it to be that way now, to act like Georgia's some sort of coronation before the season began, boy, that's not not really quite the language I'd want to use there on that. I think that's giving Florida too much of an intangible edge that I'd prefer they not have. Let me also quickly say this here for a moment. This didn't get a ton of attention this week, but it has been reported that Dare Rosenthal, a guy who was set to be a starter for LSU's offensive line, is now transferring to Kentucky. This is interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Kentucky offensive line was already pretty deep. I mean, it's not even immediately obvious how they're going to even move all these positions around now with Rosenthal's arrival, although certainly he's likely to be a starter there. So the Kentucky line of scrimmage gets stronger. This is also an example of Kentucky kind of cleaning up with intra-conference transfers here, too. Rosenthal, I guess, are reportedly going there now, and uh, Jaques Jones the uh, former leading tackler, at Ole Miss, now part of that Wildcats uh, defense, too. So, Rich kind of getting, I don't want to say rich, He's not exactly rich, but, but certainly roster depth improved by adding from the ranks of the SEC a couple of times thus far for the Wildcats here this season. I find that to be pretty interesting. I'll also mention this. That John Wilner for the uh, is it San Jose Mercury News is that the name of the, the the newspaper had an interesting story about Las Vegas, the Raider Stadium there seeking a one of those. You know, like we have the Chick fil A kickoff here in Atlanta. That Las Vegas is seeking a version of that itself. First couple of weeks of the season involving a Pac twelve team and an SEC team. I guess the Pac twelve thinks they'll have a better chance of winning games like this. They're played in the Pacific time zone. But for Georgia fans who like taking over cities, a Dog Nation invasion of Las Vegas, I don't know. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me in some future year. I would not imagine uh, Sin City and Georgia fans would probably be a pretty good mix. So maybe we'll see that in a uh, upcoming year to come. Hope all of you're getting ready for a great weekend. Thanks for making uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, part of that. I know so many of you enjoying summer fun this time of year. In fact, that's what our golden shoes about today. Uh, sometimes I just like seeing the cool setups that Georgia fans have to enjoy their summer. Uh, Jet Python shared this with me on Twitter. He said, "A little fun for a quote Saturday in Athens, Wisconsin." He says, "There's a TV on the." If you're seeing the picture, he says, "There's a TV on the opposite uh, side of the Power G, and the lights go on with." When you say Alexa, light up Sanford Stadium. And I hope it didn't activate your own Alexa when I said that. But uh, uh, he says he'll say Alexa, light up Sanford. And the lights come on there. He says, as always, go, dogs. Very well done there by Jet Python. Really cool to be able to see. Nice setup there and a uh, good time. Uh, Fun stuff all the way around there in Wisconsin for him. Speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, we'll keep calling it a revenge game. We take it seriously. We believe 113 days from now, Georgia will beat Florida. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Gator Hater Countdown, we'll see you Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Love to hear your thoughts about what's going on in the UGA or anything from the show that you want to discuss, best way to get in touch is by hitting me up on the comment section at dognation.com when we post the show each and every day or on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily there as well. I want to respond to something that OP Mike said on Twitter. We talked yesterday about what Steven Lassen from Athlon Sports had said Wednesday in SEC Country Live that the notion that it was championship or bust for UGA was fiction and that he actually believed that Georgia was well on its way to winning a championship he said sooner rather than later and OP Mike responded to that on Twitter by saying that unless Kirby Smart realizes it's points that win championships UGA is going to remain second tier and I think that this is an unavoidable truth that Georgia is going to have to score more points in order to win the national championship and I think You've got some evidence that Kirby Smart does indeed realize that. Now, realizing that and accomplishing it are two different things. Even if you do acknowledge that's what you need to do, it is still difficult to, to go out there and score at the level that recent national champions have. Bama, 48 a game a year ago. LSU, about 45 a game in 2019. I think it was Clemson, about 42 a game uh, when they won the 2018 national championship. But that's a lot of offensive productivity. Maybe there's a little bit of a regression back to normalcy here this season, but we've got you know several years worth of uh, a national champion scoring more points per game than the previous year's team did. That just you know seems to seems to kind of be the norm for college football now. And so when you think about some of the stuff we talked about for J T Daniels here off the top of the show here today, the ESPN, if you want to call it skepticism or whatever you want to call it about the small sample size for just four games a year ago, if you'll remember on this show before, we've tried to extrapolate. OK, well, if you do take those four games seriously for Georgia and for JT Daniels, the four games that he started a year ago, if you do stretch that out, extrapolate it out, if you will, for a 15-game schedule, we'll give Georgia a trip to the national championship game here, then what would those stats look like? And what was interesting is, from a yards-per-play standpoint, JT Daniels is right there in line with the very best in college football. From a total passing yard standpoint, once again, if you take those four games, you multiply it out to to a 15-game schedule, that if you take that, the, the, the total passing yards for J.T. Daniels would put him right there in line with the very best guys in college football at his position. The one spot, though, that Daniels, even if you take the very successful performances from those four games which we started this past year, the one spot where he would be lacking in comparison to the sports top quarterbacks if you replicated those four-game numbers over the course of 15-game numbers, is Daniels would still be throwing throwing fewer touchdown passes than those other elite quarterbacks have, which kind of goes back to the idea of the issue for Georgia is just finding a way to score points. And it actually kind of makes sense, right? I mean, maybe it seems elementary, but it's true that a touchdown pass is the hardest throw to make. It's the, it's the one play the defense is always trying to take away from you, whether it be, you know, big explosive plays over top, or once you get down to a you know, red zone situation, you've got less green grass to work with. It's just harder to throw touchdown passes, and that's kind of the next threshold for Georgia. Not just completing passes and moving down the field, but actually connecting on touchdown throws and just scoring more points in general. That There's almost nothing that'll predict Georgia's upcoming season success more so than the number of points they score. I believe it's entirely possible that the Georgia offense is ready to take the next step on that. But I don't think it's unfair to circle the idea of how many points you're scoring, especially against the good teams you play. We mentioned today the the Clemsons, the Auburns, the Floridas, SEC championship game, scoring big in those games. Something that Georgia, by the way, hasn't always done in the second half. You know, Didn't score in the second half of the 2018 SEC championship game. Didn't score in the second half, I don't believe, of the 2017 national championship game scoring more points is just imperative Um, and until georgia really proves it's capable of going out there and doing that there are going to be some doubters and obviously georgia this year looking forward to vanquishing some of those critics. Thanks for being here as part of our RS Andrews podcast, Cool Down Today. Appreciate your thoughts, your insight on UGA football. Please make sure you uh, reach out to participate. I love hearing from you, love responding to your opinions. So on the comment section at dognation.com, on Twitter at dognationdaily. We'll look forward to reading a bunch more of those on Monday. Check out RS Andrews as well. If you're worried that your air conditioning unit is not ready to go for the summer that's still on its way, get some peace of mind on that by getting your system tuned back up to factory factoryfreshbacks at rsandrews.com. Uh, you can do that here today. I'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. I'll enjoy speaking with you then.